You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos, I hate calling myself that, and underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hey, welcome to another episode of Delirious Nomads, your podcast for all things heavy metal. Brought to you by Metal Blade Records and Blacklight Media Records. Super psyched, good friend of mine on this episode, Steve Seabury. Steve Seabury is a man of many talents. He's, uh, well, I mean, we'll get right into it. Let's see. You've got your own, you've got your own uh, line of hot sauces that do very, very well, that are all amazing. We, you and I have two sauces together. You, have, you own and operate the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, and you also have done expos in other cities, right, which we'll talk about. Yep. You did produce a tour called Metal Alliance, which has some great, great, great bills over the years. Um, you work for Monarch Records, and I've worked with some of my favorite bands in the past, like Avatar. Um, but where it all began for us was when you were playing bass for Dirty Rig with uh, Corey Clark from Warrior Soul, and I went to the show by myself and positioned myself in front of you and for whatever reason you decided at some point in the evening to pour an entire beer over my head <laughs> you were just in the right spot at the right time because every single show i was always pretty half tanked in the bag yeah. and whoever stood <laughs> next to me i always offered him a beer and i always usually open up and pour it on him and uh you were the uh, you were you were in the right spot at the right time <laughs> it was like for like a for like a millisecond, I was like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. But then I just thought it was funny and everyone was laughing. And I just was like, whatever. <laughs> really, really, really funny. Really funny. Wait, did that ever backfire? No, some people, you know, usually I didn't spill it on my head. I had a pretty good aim. So when they opened their mouth, most of it got in their mouth and yeah. spilled on them a little bit. But I, <laughs> depends how drunk I was playing. <laughs> and then um, years later, you introduced me to Cliff Organo, right? Yep. Yep. Introduced you to Cliff and uh, Jägermeister. Dry Kill Logic, which was awesome. Yeah. So I remember you brought Cliff to me because uh, Jägermeister was looking for a chef to work with. And it was about halfway through the conversation when I was like, wait a second, I know you. You're that motherfucker that poured a beer all over my head. <laughs> <laughs> We've been good friends ever since. So um, let's start with the music thing. Like, how did you, when and why were, are you a metalhead? Like, when did you get started? What was your, what was your, um, your gateway band into loving heavy metal back in the day? It was definitely Judas Priest. I was running cross country in high school. And uh, one of the guys I used to run with, I don't know why, he just didn't want to listen to rock music anymore. And he gave me his uh, his uh, cassette collection. And I was like, oh, what's this? And he's like, oh, it's Judas Priest, man. Check it out. I checked it out with Sad Wings of Destiny. And I was uh, 
hooked after that, man. I just started buying everything. I went to House Guitars, bought Megadeth and this and that. And that was like in 1986. Right. And I uh, just, you know, ever since then, it's, you know, all guns blazing. Nice. And then when did you pick up a bass? Roughly about the same time when I heard, uh, when I heard Peace Sells by Megadeth. Uh, I love that bass line. And, uh, you know, I, I quickly stopped playing the saxophone and uh, picked up the bass. And that became, uh, I was like, I want to be in a metal band. That, that was it, you know, and I sat there for hours trying to learn that riff. <laughs> and then I know you were in several bands, but Dirty Rake, I mean, Corey Clark is kind of a legend, right? Warrior Soul. Like, how did you hook up with him? Well, we, uh, you know, we we put out our first record through Eric LeMaster's label. And our, our singer just... Uh, just didn't want to do it anymore and my friend uh that worked at uh metal edge magazine uh a huge warrior soul fan and he asked me he's like hey Corey's looking for a new new band are, are you into warrior soul at all and i was like dude warrior soul rocks man and uh he goes let me put you guys in touch so i called him up we had some beers together and uh he's like yeah man i'd like to come and check it out and uh as they say, the rest is history. We we just got along great. You know, he's a wild, crazy guy. I am too. And, uh, you know, birds of a feather flock together. And uh, next thing you know, we're, uh, we got signed to a different label and went to Europe to tour. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty wild time. How was that tour? It was awesome. We actually went over there twice. And, uh, you know, Corey's a lot bigger over there than here. And uh, it, it was you know, we, we used to always play the Continental in New York City. You know, we'd always pack it out. Yeah. But I remember playing London. We, you know, we we crammed the, the underworld, man. I was like, holy cow, man. <laughs> this is a, <laughs> a big chain of scenery, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun over there, man. It was awesome. And then and, uh, what happened? You just did the one record with, with Corey, right? Yeah, you know, it just... Uh, I hooked him up with a deal to reissue his catalog. You know, there's a lot, you know, when he got back in the dirty rig, he started getting back into the the press again. And then everyone started talking about warrior soul and he was getting offers to do that. And they were obviously a lot bigger than dirty rig. <laughs> and, uh, so he, you know, after the uh, album cycle, he elected to uh, pursue other interests with warrior soul and uh, which is cool. I got it. I mean, I kind of saw it coming, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, I just started, you know, changing my philosophy on life. And uh, that's when we started getting the hot sauce. And that's when I wrote Mosh Potatoes. And uh, I just started uh, pursuing oh, that's right. You're an author, too. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I started doing all that stuff, you know. And uh, I still like playing. But, uh, but you know, Hot Sauce is my new band, you know. I'm a one-man operation. And I have, uh, like, you to come on board and play drums or whatever. And, uh... <laughs> so, um, yeah, talk about Mosh Potatoes, because I think our listeners would actually i i have it it's amazing but uh, to talk about it what was it what was the inspiration to do it the, the inspiration i was i was coming home from a concert one night i was uh once again drunk and uh <laughs> you know getting loaded coming home at two o'clock in the morning and uh i was upset because the pizza place i uh always went to at, at a late night show uh they were closed down so i get home starving you know late night munchies i open up my refrigerator i see some eggs and some moldy uh bread in the corner of the refrigerator you know total bachelor and I just said, oh, I wonder what Lemmy would do in a situation like this. And the next day I woke up and I was like, what would Lemmy do? So I uh, emailed uh, his manager and uh, he's like, oh, dude, this is a pretty funny question. Let me ask him. And Lemmy sent me a recipe. And I was like, wait a minute, this is awesome. So I hit up Zach Wild and I hit up all the bands I was working with at the time. And then it just kind of snowballed. And, I, you know, we got 150 recipes from 150 bands and it's just a 
pure rod and heavy metal cookbook from like dudes in Pantera, Testament, Anthrax, Overkill, Lamb of God, you know, and uh, just on and on and on. And uh, the book still sells a lot today. It's it's yeah. an awesome book, and it's a uh, if you love cooking and metal, then you should check it out. It's an awesome it's an awesome experience. Nice. That's like kind of a wholesome origin story, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You should see Lemmy's. You should see Lemmy's recipe. <laughs> <laughs> you made the transition from playing in a band to, to, to making hot sauce, like you said. So you have High River Sauces as your company. Um, we'll, at the end, we'll ask uh, you to let people know where we can where they think we can find your stuff and whatnot. But um, but you've got what like six of your own flavors now? Is it six? Yeah, six. You did a sauce with Avatar, right? Yeah, you know, I have six tables that are specific, you know, specifically mine. But uh, but yeah, we uh, we create, you know, being the metal, and uh, I mean that's how High River Sauce has started with the Metal Alliance. You know, that was our uh, first sauce to coincide with that tour, and so many people loved the uh, the hot sauce. They were emailing me off the Metal Alliance website, so we started making more. And uh, I looked at my wife, and I was like, I think we might turn into a hot sauce company. Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, we did a uh, hot sauce for Avatar. I've done hot sauces for the Warp Tour. I've done hot sauces for, uh, you know, most recently, um, what, Dance Gavin Dance, you know? And, uh, you know, so, yeah, we, we, we're we metal. We love metal. We got our start in metal. So if any metal bands want hot sauces, we're happy to create recipes for them, you know? We did it. You and I did a sauce with Stephen Piercy from Rat. That's how me and you got started. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so your, your, your hot sauces are very metal. Um, for anyone who doesn't know the work, like the labels are super, super metal. Why don't you rattle off the names of your sauces? You know, the first one was Hellacious. Chris Caffrey from Trans-Siberian Orchestra and I collaborated on a recipe called Tears of the Sun. We have the Rogue Sauce, which was featured on Hot Ones. It's got blood oranges, apples, and pears with the ghost pepper and scorpion pecker, pepper. Foo-foo <laughs> uh, Mama Chew, uh, the Thunder Juice. It's about, uh, instead of writing music now, I write recipes. And uh, those are my new albums now, the Hot Sauces. You know, nice. it's, it's, it's just my creative outlet. And uh, people are digging it. So it's awesome. And then how did the Hot Sauce Expo get started? Being in the music industry, putting together, helping, you know, bands work out tours and this and that and you know everything's like a band philosophy with me i was like oh you, you know go on tour with uh, bands why can't you go on tour with hot sauce you know there's a lot of like-minded people and so uh about 10 years ago we uh i just started uh calling up my friends in the hot sauce world uh my quote-unquote bands you know and i was like hey why don't you come to new york let's put a concert together and uh so you know we had like 35 hot sauce vendors from around the country come in and we did it in brooklyn outside in a park and uh, a lot of people showed up and it was a good experience it's a good learning experience because i've never done anything food related there's obviously a lot of different regulations to doing food than you know put on a concert but uh, i learned quickly and uh yeah it spiraled out of control now so now we do the tupperware destruction tour and we go to portland oregon california arizona we just got back from chicago the other day uh doing the illinois house house expo uh New York City and New Jersey. So it's uh, it's a cool tour and uh, we just light people up and uh, drink tasty cold beverages. <laughs> I, I have a question about this because you started doing hot sauce like 10-ish years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Like has the market share for hot sauce expanded? I feel like it has, but I'd be curious for you as like a hot sauce industry expert, like do you see shows like Hot Ones like propelling hot sauce growth or is it just sort of in a consistent demand? No, absolutely. When, when I started, there was maybe like four maybe five hot, hot sauce companies in New York City, Brooklyn area. There's probably 500 now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The business has definitely 
catapulted. You know, we were on season two of Hot Ones. Um, you know, I know Noah and those guys, they started selling hot sauces on a cart in an office building in the cafeteria. Now they got a store in Brooklyn. They're probably the biggest distributor of hot sauce in the world now. And uh, it's just amazing. It's just amazing what they've done with YouTube, the hot ones and all that stuff. But yeah, it's just, it's skyrocketed now. And they, they've been a big contributor of that just because their success on YouTube and, you know, all that stuff. But I mean, Tabasco started in the 1800s, you know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, it's always been around, but now it's uh, gotten more artisanal. It's gotten, you know, instead of just vinegar and peppers, it's grown in, uh, you know, ingredients and flavor profiles and heat levels, you know, so uh, it's kind of like the, you know, the craft beer, you know, world, you know, it's uh, every town has three or four breweries now, you know, every town has, you know, three or four house house companies. It's, it's pretty fun to watch. I met so many new uh, companies this weekend in Chicago. It was awesome, man. And uh, it just seems to grow every day. I always tell my friends, uh, I think my grandma's going to start a hot sauce company next year. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, it's definitely exploded through the years. So besides, uh, you know, the vendors, you know, sampling and, and selling their hot sauces, talk about some of the other fun things that happened at the expos, like ghost pepper eating contests and shit like that. Yeah, we, we had the stage of doom. And uh, we have like the Slaytanic burrito challenge, you know, the spicy tacos of hell, you know, all this, uh, the, the donuts of death challenge, you know, and uh, we just do stupid things. And uh, probably our biggest event, uh, we work with Ed Curry, the guy who created the Carolina Reaper Pepper, uh, a good friend of mine, Puckerbutt Pepper Company. To close out the event on Sundays, we do the Guinness Book of World Records Reaper Eating Challenge, and we get people uh, 60 seconds to eat as many Reaper Peppers as possible. The Guinness Book comes down, and uh, if anybody breaks the record, I write a check for a thousand bucks for them to send them on their way to the bar. <laughs> What's the record? The current record is uh, uh, 120 grams. They do it by weight because every pepper is different size. Sure. So he ate, I think, 22 or 23 peppers in that minute to win the record. And no one's eaten them in five, six years now. It's It's been a long record. And the record well, was so, set at your place? Yeah, it was set off uh, when we did our Arizona hot sauce expo. He broke it there in Phoenix. Do you need to like get people to sign a waiver before you do that? Oh, definitely. The Guinness Book of Records definitely makes you sign that contract saying that you won't sue your ass gets slid up too much and all that stuff. So I was gonna say, like that seems like a not super safe record to break. Like more power to you, whatever. But I remember walking into the bathroom after that one year and there was a guy on like laying down under the sinks, like just clutching his stomach like so i i love hot sauce and i can take a high degree of heat but one year you know you asked me to get up there and start hyping the crowd there's like a couple thousand people in there so i started hyping the crowd about the you know this reaper things happening all of a sudden the crowd i did not plan for this the crowd starts chanting eat one eat one so i ate one reaper stem seeds and all and like about 45 seconds later like my face was numb. My ears were like, I had this like tinnitus kind of thing happening in my, my ear. I was like, what the fuck? I drank, I drank a quarter milk, an entire can of whipped cream. And then I'm like, I'm what a weakling because then these people start coming up and they're eating six, eight, 10, 14 peppers. Like I have no idea how they do it. No idea. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. Chris, you should have seen it. We literally just got back from our Illinois expo. This girl, she, she ate all these peppers. And then they, uh, you know, at the end of the 60 seconds, whatever's in your mouth, you have to spit it out and they weigh everything and all that stuff. 
So she spit it on her hand and she's got peppers and drool and everything in her hand. And she dumps it out, but she still has her hand and she goes like this and wipes her face. And oh, I was no. like, oh my God. Oh, no. It's just like her eyeballs were burning. And then she's trying to play it cool. No, I'm cool. I'm cool. And then she keeps on doing it. You know, it's just like burning. So your instincts is like this. So she just kept on repeatedly doing it, doing it. I'm like, stop, stop what you're doing. Stop the madness. Oh my God. That's just nuts. It's just nuts. What do you think draws people to hot sauce like that? Like, uh, like for the world record stuff, like obviously it's like like a pain power and thing. But like generally speaking, what do you think is drawing people to hot sauce? You know, I think it's been you know what drew me. You know, it's just like sometimes food is bland. You know, you're eating meat, potatoes, you know, or this and that, you know, and you just start putting a little spice on it, and you you know you you grew up on Tabasco or Cholula or Franks, and then you get used to that. You know, it's like drinking. You know, oh, two beers used to get me drunk. Now I got to drink six. You know, and then you start moving up the habanero sauces. You're like, yeah, this is cool. It's not that hot anymore. Next thing you know, you want Reaper sauces, and then uh, you know you're getting kicked in the face every time you eat. And uh, some people love it. You know, and as you as you keep on eating it, your body uh, loves that endorphin rush, you know, you're just like, wow, you know, I'm tweaking out on this, you know, and, uh, and that's why people really dig it, man. It's uh, your endorphins just start popping and you feel like you're floating. You're on this like, Woo, you know, and it's a, it's a cool vibe, you know. And then you've done a couple, well, the pandemic obviously wiped the festivals out for a couple of years, but you were doing, and I don't know if you still are, you were doing some taco festivals too, right? Yeah, we we uh we did the Taco Fest last year for the first time uh after a couple of years and uh but yeah that's at the uh, Sussex County Fairgrounds in New Jersey and uh yeah that's a great show man we you know tons of tacos tons of hot sauce margaritas flying and uh, it's a it's a good event. Aren't there like uh like rides there and fucking bands wrestling? Yeah, we do bands. We uh. We do wrestling, live music, the stage of doom again. You know, we uh, have a bunch of kids stuff where they, you know, ride rides, and bouncy houses and all that stuff. But yeah, we try to make it family friendly. Friendly, uh, You know, we only charge 10 bucks at the door. Kids are in for free. We just want it to be a fun experience for everyone. You know, leave your problems at the door, come in and uh, eat tacos, enjoy hot sauce and have fun, man, you know, for the day. Are you going to continue to do that? Yeah, we're actually uh, doing it September 10th this year at the same location. Oh, nice. Pivoting from hot sauce, your day job for a long time has been working with the label, uh, you know, with metal bands, right? You want to yeah. talk about some of the bands you've had the the pleasure of, of working with over the years? Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I used to work at a recording studio up in Ithaca called Pyramid Sound. Well, that's where I'm from in upstate. And uh, Alex Perry Ellis, he was my, like my hero. He did uh, Anthrax, Testament, Overkill, all those bands, you know, recorded at his studio. So when I was in the band, I was like, man, I got to record in this studio. It's the greatest studio ever. So I actually had the opportunity to do so. Became really good friends with Alex. And uh, when I was in college uh, during the summers, I would intern at the studio. And uh, when I graduated college, I realized I didn't want to be in the studio anymore. Um, just the late hours. I realized my ear, I couldn't hear certain pitches, you know, frequencies and stuff. So I asked him, I was like, could you help me get a job at a label? I think that's my true calling. So I got an internship in New York City in 1996 at Mayhem Records. And I was like, holy cow, one of the first concerts, I was working with Ronnie James Dio. The first concert I moved out here was opening up, uh, it was Motorhead, Dio, and Iron Maiden at the Garden. I was like, oh yeah, I made the right decision, man. I'm working for a label with Dio, hanging out backstage, you got to drink with Lemmy. I was like, this is the greatest day ever, you know? And then, uh, 
yeah, just uh, you know, and here I am today working for Monarch, and I'm working with Zach Wild, Ace Freely. I work with you know, we're Pop Evil Avatar. You know, we got some great bands coming up like Creeping Death, Plague Ears. You know, a Spoiler Grind. You know, and uh, you know, just, you know, just really cool bands and uh, from all walks of life. Yeah, it's I just love it, dude. I, it keeps me young inside, and uh, I always treat every day like a fan, not like a suit and tie guy. I think like a fan, and uh, it just keeps me young and. Uh, I just love it, man. It's 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 a great creative outlet. Working with talented people, and it's just uh, I don't think I'll ever retire. You know, I love it. Nice. Like, what, describe a day. Like, what what exactly do you do in that in your role? You know, I, I you know just a lot of day to day you know product manage stuff. You know, uh, band. You know, hey, we just signed a band. All right, I'll work with the recording studio. You know, get the masters in, and uh, you know, some bands will deliver full artwork, or I'll work with an artist to deliver the artwork. You know, then once I get the master and I send it out to you know, get the, the test presence made for vinyl, whatever, you know, and then I deal with the managers, work with the agents and help getting tours. You know, basically, we were talking about today, there's a hole in the boat over here, I put my finger in it. There's one over here, I put my finger in it, you know, just try to keep it going fresh. You know, we got a small team and we're all, uh, we all work together. And, uh, but yeah, we are at the end of the day is to, to stream as much music as we can now, or, you know, sell as much and keep the bands on the road. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's awesome. I, I love taking, developmental artists and in a couple of years get up to this level then a couple of years bring them to even higher you know you, you mentioned avatar you know when we worked with avatar the first record people are like what the hell is this band we put the record out we sold 120 records first week and everyone's like holy cow you know and now they sell thousands of records first week so i, I just you know it's like playing a video game you know i want to get the high score every time so every, every record that comes out you try to beat the next record you know so it's that that right there is an adrenaline rush so uh I, you know it's i just love it it keeps me going it keeps me young you know and uh yeah it's fun do you miss playing playing yourself and, and, and being on stage honestly i don't man because i did for a while but now i'm just having so much fun uh you know, working with younger bands and doing hot sauce, man. It's, you know, all these guys, you know, you know, we're all into metal. We all eat hot sauce. We talk about metal. And uh, a lot of these guys turn me on to new metal bands in their region and whatnot. So, you know, I'm still touring, you know, but I'm just not playing on stage. I'm emceeing the stage of doom and, you know, instead of selling CDs, I'm selling hot sauce. So it's, it's different, but it's kind of the same vibe. You know, I dig it. It's just a little you know, takes me out of the element where I can like kind of relax, you know, instead of not being in the music industry 24 seven, you know? Right. Right. So I do enjoy that aspect of it. Talk about metal Alliance tour that you used to, you owned and produced that, right? Yeah. You know, same thing with the cookbook. I was drunk one night and I was like, Oh, I should come up with the ultimate tour. Like what, what can I do? Man? I always, you know, you know, I, you know, as a band or a promoter, you know, you always want to, you know, Hey, what would be the ultimate tour? You know, so I, you know, I always played that, you know, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. So I called up one of my buddies. Uh, I was like, hey, I got this idea for a tour, man. I need an agent to book it. He goes, oh, dude, this is great, man. Let me see. Let me, between you and me, let's contact all the agents and managers and make it happen. So uh, we made it happen. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, we were talking to Kelly over at Live Nation and she's like, wow, this lineup's awesome. And uh, she goes, let's do a VIP ticket package. And I was like, all right, cool. And so, like, Everyone gets an autographed poster. Everyone, 50 people get to come in the venue early. And then she's like, we need that one item that would, you know, be a little bit different and out of the box. And I was like, oh, we should do a hot sauce. She's like, awesome. I'm going to need 600 bottles of the state. And I'm like, oh, you want me to make hot sauce? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, 
you know so i always made hot sauce for young bands anyways like yeah i'll take this out of the road and they'll make your 7-eleven at three o'clock in the morning tastes a lot better so i i had an old recipe to kick it around so uh we went into the kitchen you know and uh you know one of those uh fda approved incubator kitchens here you know in the city and uh we made the bottles and uh i just literally took the artwork from the tour you know and put it on the label and uh boom our hellacious hot sauce was born started getting all these emails from people man that sauce is so good where do i get more of it meanwhile no one's emailing me about the tour or the merch you know everyone's like wants well, the hot sauce you know and uh so then uh, we, we just started selling it and you know some smaller distributors like hey how do we get the sauce you know and that just kind of like snowballed and then year two year three we always had hot sauce in the vip package and high river just got bigger and bigger through that people started talking and wanted the hot sauce and, kind of became a collectible thing and then uh Kevin Lyman reached out to me about doing uh you know hot sauce for the warp tour and the mayhem energy drink rockstar tour you know and all that stuff but uh that's how high river started the hot sauce for the metal store you know but we've done metal lines for you know we kind of ended it when COVID hit you know it just kind of you know took the buzz out of the wind out of my sails you know I just like it was so hard to put together and yeah, stunk, but uh, but we had Behemoth play. We've had Anthrax headline. You know, we've had High on Fire. We we've had some really killer uh, festivals, man, and uh, very proud of all that stuff that we did. You know. Was that the last one with Gohor and Casualties? Yeah, we did that one. You know, uh, Be Aside. You know, um, you know, the very first one was probably the funniest lineup. It was uh, Helmet. Doing in the meantime in its entirety, Crowbar, Kylesa, Red Fang, Atlas Moth. It oh, was wow. it was a mission. And people were like, "Where the fuck did this line up?" I was like, "Dude, I went through my CD collection drunk, said I wanted to spend it this band." <laughs> what was the biggest challenge of pulling that off, putting a festival together? Just making sure that the bands get paid at the end of the night. You know, that's the stressful part. You know, it, no matter if one person shows up or a thousand, you know, the band still got to get paid. And that was like the most challenging part in marketing, especially being a brand new tour and stuff. So I think what helped us was uh, I always said, if we can start in a big market like New York, we get the buzz going with all the press and that will pop, it'll trickle down to the other markets. But we could never start in New York for some reason. So we always started it historically at South by Southwest. And we would ram the shit out of those places, dude. And uh, with every lineup, you know, and, uh, you know, everyone flies in from around the country, around the world. And everyone talked about Metal Lines. That was the best show ever, man. That, was, that blew everything out of the water at South By. And I think that actually did it better because everyone, it just trickled to other markets. And we would just ram the clubs. And, you know, after a while, I didn't get worried about, you know, because I knew I was going to sell out shows, you know. So it made it a lot easier. But that was honestly the most stressful part. How many dates was that tour, each tour? We did 28 and 32 dates every uh, every spring for that tour. Right. Nice. We bust into Canada for maybe three or four and come back down. Got it. We do like urban plaza start size rooms, you know. Yeah, I caught that last one. Um, Great American Ghost was on it, right? Yeah, yeah, we had that. Towards the end, it started getting a little smaller. It was hard to keep up, juggling so many things, you know. And uh, and then when COVID hit, I was like, man, I was just so tired and exhausted. I'm just like, you know, I think this might be the last one I do. Who knows, you know. Who knows? Maybe a couple of years. It's kind of ironic that with this podcast is really a vehicle for Blacklight Media, and you stole Great American Ghost from me, and I'm having you on here as a guest. I never <laughs> stole that. Let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. You actually turned me on to the band, which I appreciate. That was awesome. But 
Carl, who works with me at Monarch, has a label called Good Fight. He had the band. You know, I told Carl, I was like, yeah, my friend Santos, Chris Santos, told me about your band, dude. I didn't even know that you had this band, and I love him, man. And he's like, yeah, dude, uh, you know, I'm trying to resign him, and you think Scott would want to graduate him up to Monarch? And I was like, I go, I don't know. I could ask him. And then, you know, at the end of the day, Ethan wanted to re-sign with Carl, you know, and all that stuff. But uh, but I made it that, you know, I was all busting your balls like, yeah, I'm going to offer a million dollars to take him away from you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I can honestly say that he get a million dollar deal, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right? They put out a nice record. I love that band. I, Ethan is great. Yeah. I, lo- I love him. They were a great band. They're, they're finally starting to. Uh, They've been doing a lot of tour dates with Enterprise Earth right now. And there's, I feel like they're starting to get their due now. You know, they seem like they're popping up a little bit faster, a little bit easier. So, uh, and they're touring the rest of the year. So it's, uh, they're working hard. So uh, I'm glad for those guys. Nice. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about Monarch, you know, because obviously you and I do stuff together there with Aquila Grind. That label's really interesting to me because it's sort of like Monarch Heavy is sort of uh, almost a subsidiary within the larger Monarch structure. And I don't think a lot of people really understand the extent to which Monarch is like kind of like a baby major. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I agree with that somewhat. Like, how does it feel to work at a company like that rather than sort of like an independent metal label? Well, you know, I, I've worked at some of the smallest metal labels, you know, in the system, you know. Um, but, you know, E1 Entertainment One was the original label. Yeah. Hasbro, you know, bought us out because... Entertainment One was a TV production company, film. So we had Peppa Pig, PJ Masks, and all that stuff. But then we also owned the Death Row catalog, and we had a metal catalog, a gospel, a country division, you know. Uh, we had the Lumineers, you know. So we were like a big, big indie. We also did distribution for other labels. But um, Hasbro, you know, hey, we want to buy the label out and the TV out because we want Peppa Pig. We want this for their toy division and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. After about eight or nine months of that, maybe a little bit longer, we'll say, year they eventually sold us to another company that just wanted the music they kept the film and tv so now we're uh you know we're owned by another company and they kept everyone intact the music department all that stuff and they're just like i think it's awesome man because you know yeah they're big big time investors and stuff but there's like if it's not broken we're not going to fix it you guys have been doing great there's a reason why we bought you you guys are putting out steady numbers and uh, they're just like, keep on doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, they, they let the crew, each department run its course. And uh, it's awesome, man. They, you know, as long as we produce, I guess it's like any other job will be awesome. You know, so everything's been great. It's been a great transition because that just happened maybe about four or five, six months ago. So it's uh, still a big transition. But yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. You know, no, the only pain in the ass part is, is, you know, rebranding the label's name because everyone's like, who the hell is Monarch at <laughs> <laughs> we're quickly catching up with the bands that we have and we're starting putting releases out with the monarch logo now and uh so hopefully uh people will start paying attention soon to the name and connect the dots between the bands and the label now yeah absolutely and, and how does it how does it feel to kind of get to be part of a system where like there's also pop and country artists i like it i never would like it when i was younger and a little bit more you know against the grain if you will but i i kind of take advantage of it because now I have a bigger, much larger network now that I can help our bands out with, you know. So say if uh, Jim in the, you know, in the country division, you know, just got a song on this big outlet, TV outlet or whatever, or got this or got that. I like, hey, Jim, <laughs> quote unquote, 
how did you get that? Oh, let me, let me introduce you guys. Cool. And then we try to turn it into a metal thing, which happens a lot. You know, it's just a network and it's way bigger and more opportunities arise because as a collective, we have more, yeah. more strength and numbers, more strength and power. You know, when you got some of the biggest hip hop bands, you know, that brings in a lot of different opportunities. So we take all the opportunities and, you know, Wonder Twin Powers activate form of a wrecking ball. And uh, that's what I really like. When I was younger, if it wasn't metal, I wasn't going to work there, you know, and uh, all that stuff. But I, I, as I get older and smarter, I, uh, as they say, uh, you know, I, I see the opportunities. I actually enjoy it. And uh, you'll see with your band, you're going to get some other opportunities that some of the smaller indie metal labels would never probably get, you know? Yeah, that's our vision, you know, spreading power violence to the children. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, um, but yeah, thank you. Can you tell us where people can find out about the endless hot sauce emporium that you're kind of peddling? You know, you can uh, always go to highriversauces.com. Why did you call it High River Sauces? What's the, what's the origin story of the, of the name? Honestly, <laughs> Hopefully my mom's not watching, but <laughs> I was uh, I was juggling between a couple of names. You know, I was like, oh, you know, what should I call it? And uh, me and a buddy were on a kayak in the middle of a river drinking beers. And, uh, you know, and uh, I was like, I got to come up with a name. And he goes, oh, dude, you call it High River Sauces. And I'm like, done. <laughs> nice. Nice. I love it. <laughs> but anyway, so people go to High River Sauces. Sauce with beer, dude, you know? um, HighRiverSauces.com, you said, yeah? Yeah, that is correct. Um, and is there social media pages for the for, for the company? Yeah, everything's spread at High River Sauces, uh, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all that good stuff. And then, uh, yeah, that's where you can find the base. And then you can find our uh, expos and all the other craziness that we're doing along the way as well. Nice. Very nice. Any final thoughts you want to share with us, my friend? Uh, I'm just thankful uh, to be on here. And uh, thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate it. And everyone listening, I hope we found it as entertaining and stupid yeah. as I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, You're always I'm, right, man. You know, um, it's, it's funny because like all this come out, you know, like I said, uh, you know, just stupid ideas, man. Everyone's like, oh, how did you do this? I'm like, I just came up with this dumb idea. So I always... I always find comedy and all this stuff because I, it always came out of a hobby, you know, like literally starting metal lives tour was just a dumb idea. And it's spurned into this starting a hot sauce, dumb ideas, you know? So, you know, just, uh, you know, have fun with life and uh, yeah, that's all, <laughs> you know, don't take it so seriously. I would be remiss to, to, to finish this without telling everyone that they not only should they, anyone that likes hot sauce out there, definitely go to high river sauces and buy some bottles because his hot sauces are fantastic. But we also collaborated and we, we, we also have a barbecue sauce called the Rattler and we have a, a, a salsa verde called the Green Manalishi. Um, and I get a cut of those. So order those two sauces first yeah. and then you can order what else you like, whatever else you like. <laughs> yeah. We actually just got the Green Manalishi back in stock. So I did an email blast and people are picking it up again. So uh, during the the, the, the the supply chain issues where it was uh, very hard to get bottles, get this, get that, you know. So, but we yeah. got it back in stock though. Actually tomorrow I'm going to, um, but we can talk about this offline, but I'm going to intro you tomorrow to uh, that guy from that supermarket we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to call you after this because yeah. uh, I had some other things to ask you about, okay, but, sure. uh, but no, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. I uh, really appreciate it. Everyone go to highrivetsauces.com, get your heat on. And uh, Steve, I'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun in all seriousness. So thank you guys. Thank you. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. 
Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.